Good morning, everyone. It is great to see you. I will have to say, I was thinking as I was driving to church this morning, that probably the thing I look forward to the most every week, in fact, one of the reasons I love doing the announcements, is that I guess I good morning and I get that type of response back, which I love, makes my week. All right, we are in a marathon in the book of Luke, and we're going to continue that marathon today. We are in chapter 17. If you want to use your pew Bibles, it is on page 876. We will also have the scriptures up here, but it's always good to have your Bible open there with you. So if you can turn to page 876 in your pew Bible, it's going to be Luke 17, and we're going to be looking at the passage in verses 11 through 19. And let me open in prayer. Heavenly Father, we just thank you today, just the privilege that we have the privilege to worship you, Lord. We thank you for this time that we've had to worship you, Lord, and now we, in singing, we now worship you in the word. And Father, we pray that your spirit that lives in us will fall upon us today. Help us to understand your word so we are not just hearers of that word, but we are also doers of that word. Be with us today, Lord, in Jesus' name, amen. amen. Luke 17. 11 through 19. On the way to Jerusalem, he, he being Jesus here, was passing along between Samaria and Galilee, and as he entered a village, he was met by ten lepers who stood at a distance and lifted up their voices, saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. And when he saw them, he said to them, Go and show yourselves to the priest. And as they went, they were cleansed. Then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back, praising God with a loud voice, and he fell on his face at Jesus' feet, giving him thanks. Now he was a Samaritan. Then Jesus answered, Were not ten cleansed? Where are the nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? And he said to him, Rise and go your way, your faith has saved you. Your faith has saved you. Probably the most important word in our entire Christian faith is the word of faith. In this story, it is that one word, faith, that changes everything. It changes everything for the leper, and it changes everything for us. And what we're going to be doing today is we're going to look at what is that faith that saves us? And I think you'd probably know there's different types of faith. So for example, I had to have faith today to get in my 2002 VW Bug, and as my wife would attest, to have faith that I would get to church today. I've had so many problems with that bug that I got into it, turned it on, hoping it was going to start, and it got me here today. That's one type of faith. And there's other types of faith. I just recently, in the last couple months, in a very unusual place, heard over 50 people declare their faith. They all did it at one time. Michelle and I, along with Richard and Monica, we went up to Yosemite uh, about a couple months ago. We spent one day going up to Glacier Point. How many of you have been up to Glacier Point in Yosemite where you get that just magnificent view of the entire Yosemite Valley? 
as we arrived there that day, it was sort of odd. There's a lot more cars than we were expecting, and we saw flags everywhere. We saw red, white, and blue everywhere we looked, and we're like, what is going on? And as we came um, up uh, around the bend where you can look at this gorgeous view, we saw a whole group of people there, and we were wondering what, is, what was happening. And this is what we saw. This was the group of people. And what they were doing is they were all going through the ceremony to become citizens of this country, to become citizens of the United States. So I took this picture here of all them doing that, and this is what they were all looking at. You could have not had a more breathtaking view. Becoming a citizen of this country, of God's creation, that they were all looking at. But they go through this ceremony, and one of the things they do is they go through what's called an oath of allegiance. This is part of what they say. And what's interesting here, this is both the naturalization oath of allegiance, this is just part of it, but it's also the exact same things that when someone becomes part of the armed forces, we celebrated last week Veterans Day, and when you become part of the armed services, you take what is called the oath of enlistment. It has some of these exact same words, in fact, the exact same words that we're looking at here. And notice what it says. It says, I hereby declare that I will support and defend the Constitution and laws of the United States of America against all enemies, foreign and domestic, and that I will bear true faith and allegiance to do the same. So here is a different type of faith. If you read where they talk about this naturalization ceremony, and they're giving instructions to the people when they're all going to say this together, their faith, it says, means you really believe that the Constitution and laws are good things. So here, these people, when they're becoming citizens of the United States, they're placing their faith in the Constitution and declaring their faith around the Constitution and abiding by our laws. That's a different type of faith. What we're going to do today is we're going to look at the faith that saves us, the faith that we get from Christ, the faith that we get from God, that saves us, that gives us eternal life, that gives us forgiveness of sins, that restores our relationship with God, that brings about reconciliation with others, that gives us the empowerment to love those, even those we don't like. And so we're going to look at that faith today, that faith that it talks about in this story that saves us. And so let's take a look, go back and take a look now, a little bit more detail in this story. And one of the things as we go through here, I have a number of slides we walk through, and just to remind you, this is true when Jeff preaches, Jay preaches, we always take these now and they're on our website. So if you go to our website and you look under sermons, you know, you can look, find the sermon and listen to it, but also you get all the PowerPoint slides too. So let's take a look now a little bit more at this passage and try to understand again, what is this faith that saves us? And so notice that it starts out where it says, on the way to Jerusalem, he was passing along between Samaria and Galilee. Now, Jeff last week gave a really, really good context to where we are in Luke. In fact, if you want to get a good catch-up as to where we are, it's a good sermon to listen to. The last time I preached was on the Good Samaritan parable. And then I talked about how where Jesus was as he was in this area somewhere between Jerusalem and the Sea of Galilee, which is in north of Jerusalem. There's an area called Samaria, 
And all we've been going through for the last several weeks in Luke is we've been walking through as Jesus is traveling this area, coming down south towards Jerusalem for his last week of life. And so he's in this area of Samaria. As he entered, as Jesus entered the village, he was met by 10 lepers. Notice what it says, who stood at a distance. Why did they stand at a distance? Because leprosy was a pretty common disease back then. Leprosy really meant a whole range of different skin diseases. But many of those skin diseases were contagious. So if you had leprosy, you knew you had to stay at a distance from people so they would not catch it. That is why here you see them staying at a distance like they're supposed to. But they stood at a distance and they saw Jesus. And they probably had heard in the whole region about how Jesus was healing people. And they see Jesus, and they lifted their voices and say, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. And then notice what Jesus does. He says, when he saw them, he said to them, go and show yourselves to the priest. Now, why would he do that? Well, if you take a look at the Old Testament law, what happened was if you were a leper and then you thought that you were clean of that disease and you've been cleansed and the disease has gone away, you were required to go to the priest, have the priest look and check to make sure you're okay so you can get back into being around other people again. So what's interesting here is at this point in time, Jesus says, go to the priest, but they haven't been healed yet. And so they obey him and they start traveling toward the priest and all of a sudden they were healed. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, exactly. The story could end right here. We've seen this consistently through Luke and through the Gospels where over and over again, Jesus says, I've come to heal you and people who come to him is healed. But the story doesn't end here because what happens next is it says, then one of those 10 who were healed, when he saw that he was healed, turned back, turned back towards Jesus praising God with a loud voice. And he fell on his face at Jesus' feet, giving him thanks. Now he was a Samaritan. Now it says he was a Samaritan. Some people think, well, maybe that's because the other nine were Jews and he was a Samaritan. We don't know. It doesn't really say, but it makes a point here. Luke says he was a Samaritan. And then Jesus answered and said, were not the 10 cleansed? Where are the dying? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? And he said to him, this one Samaritan that turned back, he said, rise and go your way. Your faith has saved you. He doesn't say that about the other nine. They were cleansed. They were healed. But what he says about this one is that this one had faith that saved him. What is it about that faith of the one that saved him? And that's what we want to look at today. What is that faith that saves us? The original language this was written in was Greek. And the word for faith is pistis. Can all of you say pistis? Pistis, pistis. good. All right, you know, I used to be a pastor at a church up in the Bay Area that started out predominantly as African-American as it grew to like 6,000 people. It kept those roots. And that's one of the things that happened all the time to get people awake, I think. During services, they would have people repeat, call and response, okay? So everyone say, pistis? Pistis. All right, you're doing good. All right. If you think about the word love, many of you have heard that if you've been a Christian for a while and studied the word love in the New Testament, you would know that the word love, there's three different words for love in the New Testament. Agape, 
phileo, and eros. And it depends on which type of love that's being talked about when you're trying to understand it. Here, what's interesting is this word pistis is the same word every time it talks about this saving faith. It's always this word pistis. But sometimes the word faith is used, sometimes the word believe is used, sometimes other words are used. So it's good to get an understanding of what does this word mean, because a lot of times when we hear the word faith, we might have a certain idea of what is faith. Faith encompasses more than maybe we think about. So we want to take a look today at what is this faith, this pistis that saves us. And I want us to ask, what does that look like? What does that faith that saves us look like? The first thing, and this is the, one of the most important things about this faith that saves us, is that that faith is not something that we just conjure up ourselves. I had to put faith to get in my car today and drive here. The people actually becoming citizens of the United States, when they're placing their faith, they're doing that because they've studied the rules of the United States, and they've said, I want to become a citizen here. And so they are inside themselves building that faith to say, yes, I'm going to do that. But there's something different about the Christian faith. Notice what it says in Ephesians 2.8 here. It says, for by grace you have been saved through pistis, through faith. And this is not of your own doing. It is a gift. It is a gift of God, not a result of work so that no one may boast. The most important thing to realize is this faith that we get that saves us is not something that we conjure up ourselves. It is a gift that God gives us. It is different than any other type of faith and any other things you can put your faith in. This is a faith that when we turn to God, if you notice that leper, what did he do that one leper? The very first thing he did was turn to Jesus. If we turn our lives around and repent, what we do is we get this gift of faith that God gives us. People will debate, well, is that gift the grace? Yes. Is that gift that we've been saved? Yes. Is that gift faith? Yes. All this is a gift of God. And that's the most important key thing we need to realize about our faith is it's a gift that God has given us. The second thing is what do you place that faith in? What is the substance of our faith? What is it made up of? With the people becoming citizens, the content was the Constitution of the United States, the laws of this land. What is the content of our faith? And I don't know if you ever have thought about it, but there's a shape to the content of our faith. It looks like a V. And let me show you how that works, because what we're looking at here is one of many, many passages in the New Testament. And this is one of the ones that really encapsulates what is this faith we have that saves us. And in Philippians 2, 5 through 10, it really shows how that faith that we have looks like a V because of who we put that faith in. Our faith is based on Jesus Christ. It is based on what he did. That is the content of our faith. And if you look at this, watch how this works. So it, there's a, it starts at the top left. When you're at the top, you're really in heaven. You're with God. The bottom represents here being on earth. And I want you to listen to this gospel. This is what our faith is based on. Christ Jesus 
who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. Jesus Christ started where? He's always been part of the Trinity, the Son of God, the one of three, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. It says here, he being up there with God, was God, and then it says, he chose to empty himself, verse 7, taking the form of a servant, being born of the likeness of man. That's what we call the incarnation. That's what we're celebrating this holiday, is we are celebrating the birth of Jesus, the decision for God to become man. Then, very important, verse 8, and being found as he lives his life, we're going to be coming to this point in Luke soon, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. This is the turning point of history. This is when God became man, when Jesus humbled himself to the cross, and on that cross defeated the power of death, the power of sin, and the power of evil. Amen. That's what he did to give us that salvation and that restored relationship with God. Everything turns at the bottom here where Jesus died on the cross. When he was crucified on the cross, what happens next? He didn't just lay in the grave, we all know. He was what? Resurrected, raised. Verse 9, Therefore God highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name. And then at the very top, verse 10, why? So that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. The V represents victory. It's the victory of what Jesus did on the cross. We place our faith in the person of Jesus who today is God and man who sits at the right hand of God today. We are placing our faith not in some system or a bunch of laws. We're placing our faith in the person of God who is today Lord of all the universe, the Lord of everything. That is who we place our faith in. That's the content of it. It is something that has really happened. We place our faith in the person of God who today sits at the right hand of God. That's where we get that faith, and that is what we place our faith in. And so ultimately, our faith is placed in the living reality today that Jesus Christ is Lord. That's the substance of our faith. Now let's take a look at the pieces of that faith, because this is where we can get confused. We can sometimes think faith is just sort of one thing, but it actually involves a number of things in our life, this faith that we've been given. And I want to take a look at the different pieces, three pieces of faith, a pistis, I want to look at. Believe, confess, and demonstrate. And the first one is that we believe. When we think of faith, this is what we mostly think about when we think of faith. We think about this internal faith. I have to, you know, how much faith do I have inside myself? I need to make my faith stronger. We think of faith as that trust in God, that internal reality that I have this relationship with God and I'm placing my faith in him. We believe the content of what we just saw. We believe that Jesus is Lord. This is what most of us think when we think of faith. We say, okay, I, you know, I want to build my faith. I want to build more of what I feel inside of myself. And that's a reality. In Romans 10:9, it says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, and what? Believe, there's that word, pistis again. 
not just faith, but the word now believe. If you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. What does that faith look like? When we believe in our heart that God raised Jesus from the dead that we just read about, it says you will be saved. This is what most of us think about when we think about what's that faith that saves us. But there's more than just that, because if you take a look at this passage we just looked at, it's not just simply that we have this faith inside of us. It's what we do with that faith. That faith is not meant to just stay of something I believe. There's something else we do with that faith. We confess it. All right? And so in, in Romans 10, 9, it says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, not just believe in your heart, but also confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So what is this faith that saves? It involves both the belief in my heart, but also confess that with my mouth. Jesus says the same thing. It's exactly the same word that Jesus uses in Luke 12, 8, where it says, and I tell you, everyone who acknowledges me, that's the same word as confess, before men, the Son of Man also will acknowledge before the angels of God. The part of the faith, that gift that we've been given, is not just to believe in our heart, but it's to confess through our mouth that Jesus is Lord. The first place we do this is in baptism. This is why baptism is so important. Jay and, you know, is constantly exhorting people to say, you need to be baptized. This is so important because in baptism, what we do is we give evidence to the other part of our faith, the faith that says, I'm going to confess with my mouth that Jesus is Lord. But we don't just do it at baptism. We do it throughout our life in confessing to others that Jesus is Lord. And I would, I would really encourage you, if you are a believer and you have not been baptized, Baptism is not about you, <laughs> to be blunt. It's about you confessing Jesus as Lord to the rest of the people that are around there. And it's beautiful. I've been involved with Jay many times now, going down to the beach and baptizing people when they are confessing to all of us that Jesus is Lord. So if you haven't been baptized, come up and ask us. We'll make time for that. We will, that's so important to do. And it's a part of the faith that God has given you. So far, what's the faith that saves us? It involves believing in our heart. It involves confessing with our mouth that Jesus is Lord. But there's one last part. The last part is, it's not just that we believe and we confess, but it's something we also demonstrate. This is where we can get stuck. Because for sure, as we read in Ephesians, we don't work to be saved. We know we don't try and say, oh, I'm going to work to be saved. No, faith is a gift, not of works. And also we can say, okay, I'm a believer. I believe in my heart. I, have really, I think I have strong faith. I really believe Jesus is Lord, but I don't really demonstrate that in my life. And what Jesus says is this faith I've given you is a faith that is to be lived out and how you demonstrate it to others, constantly being lived out. And so look at what it says here. It says in John 3, 36, so just before this, it was John 3, 16, when God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him will have eternal life. And then John 3, 36, it says, whoever believes, again, that same word pistis, 
Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. And now notice what it says here. Whoever does not obey the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God remains on him. What this passage is showing is the parallel that that faith that we've been given as a gift involves also being obedient to God, also doing what God says, also following God. That's part of the faith we've been given. It's not something separate. It's not just something, oh, I have faith and then I do it. It's part of the gift that God's given to us. And you can see that right here. Faith involves that obedience. And in fact, Jesus says it again. In Matthew 7, he says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord. In other words, not everyone who confesses my name will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father in heaven. Again, it's not our works that saves us, but the faith that we've been given as a gift when we say that Jesus is Lord and placed our faith in him, that faith is there to be evident, to live it out in our lives. Love God, love others with all our heart. And so when we take a look, these three pieces come together. When we think about faith that saves us, it is a faith that involves believing Jesus Christ as Lord, confessing Jesus Christ as Lord, and demonstrating Jesus Christ as Lord. All three of those are part of that faith. When you put those three pieces together, our faith, which is based on the V that we talked about, the victory of Jesus, our faith also has a shape. It's when you take that V and you turn it upside down. The V becomes what letter? The letter A. The word that I think captures better, okay, and that's not just me saying this. In fact, it's the word that was used back in Jesus' day most often for the meaning of pistis, is when you take a look at how, what captures that believing, that confessing, and that demonstrating is really the word allegiance. When you pledge allegiance to someone, you are saying, you are who I put my faith in. You are who I believe. You are who I follow. And so you can start thinking that maybe when you read Scripture, start thinking about when you see the word faith or believe, replace it with allegiance, and you'll see how it makes a lot of sense. This word allegiance maybe captures more holistically not just something inside my heart, but something that is inside my heart that I also confess and that I also follow. It's sort of like in the military. Can you imagine if you went up to your superior in the military and you were there and he was telling you to do something, you said, you know, I believe you're my superior. I know you are. I believe that. In all my heart, I know you are the one that I'm supposed to obey. And then you go, and I'm telling all these other guys here, I, I'm supposed to obey you but then you don't. That's not the full faith. Faith involves also doing what your superior says. Who is our superior as Christians? It is Jesus Christ who is Lord over all. And so one way of thinking about, you put all these together, the believing Jesus Christ is Lord, the confessing that Jesus is Lord, and the demonstrating that he is Lord, you put that all together, and what you get is that we are to be allegiant to this Lord. We are to be following him with our heart, following him by confessing with our mouth, following him by living that out and doing what he says and being obedient to him. So given now that you've seen that shape of faith, let's go back and look 
at that Samaritan when Jesus said he had faith that saved him. Because I want you to notice a couple things in this story. So notice what happens. It says one of them, this one that is the one that has the faith that saves, it says the one of them, when he was healed, he turned back. The very first step of that faith is by repenting, by turning away from our ways of the world and turning and saying, Christ, you are Lord. I'm going to follow you now. And that's what he did here. That Samaritan recognized there's something about what Jesus did. He just healed me. I'm going to turn back and I'm going to go to Jesus. So he turns back. And then what does he do? He's obedient. He does what we were doing today here. He praises God. He knows that, that God is the one who healed. And what is his response of faith with that? How does he demonstrate that? He demonstrates it by praising God. And he does that in public. I mean, all the disciples around, he's confessing that. And then it says, which is interesting here, it says, and he fell on his face at Jesus' feet. What do you think that means? What do you think it means when someone falls on their face? In fact, the exact Greek words here, the, and the very same words are used when Jesus is in his garden of Gethsemane. And when he's at the very last moment of his time, Jesus fell on his feet and prayed to God the Father, if you're going to take this cup away from me, take it. I'm obedient to follow you to the cross. And here the Samaritan is doing the same thing. He's falling on his feet, recognizing he probably, I mean, Jesus hasn't been risen from the dead yet. He hasn't gone to the cross yet. But the Samaritan already has a sense there's something different about this Jesus. He is not just a man. He is God. He is Lord. And so he falls at his feet. And then finally, it says he gives Jesus thanks. This is the only place in the entire New Testament where someone gives thanks to Jesus. Everywhere else, when you read about giving thanks, it's giving thanks in the Gospels. It's giving thanks to God. Here, this Samaritan does something radical. He gives that thanks to Jesus, recognizing him as Lord, recognizing him as God. And so you can see all those different components he obviously believed. It doesn't actually say that specifically in his heart. He obviously does by his confession and by his actions. You know that he's placed that faith in Jesus. And Jesus says, where are all the others? But he says of the Samaritan, he says, what? Your faith, your pistis has saved you. And then what does he tell the Samaritan? He says, now that you have that, rise and go. Rise and go tell everyone else. And so I want to leave us with just some practical ways of how do we put pistis, how do we put this faith, that this gift of God that we've been given, how do we put that in action? And one of my favorite passages, in fact, uh, the guys, we, we've been going through 1 Corinthians on Tuesday nights. And how many weeks? 40, 40 weeks we've spent in 1 Corinthians. It has been awesome. This Tuesday is going to be our 40th week, and we're going to actually finally finish 1 Corinthians. But one of my favorite passages we hit was very early on, where it really talks about this gospel that we believe and who Jesus is. And this passage right here, um, 1 Corinthians 1.18, is really one of the cornerstones of all of 1 Corinthians. Jesus says, For the word of the cross 
is folly to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. What's the word of the cross? This, the word of God. Everything encapsulated here that talks about this Jesus that is Lord. This power of this word of God, that when we read it, can turn us to God, give us that faith, that gift that Jesus is Lord. But what's interesting is, notice what it says. It says, who are being saved. That's faith we get. This salvation we have is not just a one-time thing. Oh, yes, I asked Jesus in my life, you know, two years ago, 10 years ago, 20 years ago. Yeah, I believe him, but you're not doing anything about it. Our faith is a faith that we continually are being saved. And we, this, all those three aspects, believing, knowing who Jesus is in our heart, that he is Lord, confessing with our mouth, demonstrating it, all those things are not something we do once, it's something we continually do over and over again. And so here are three suggestions about what you can do, how do you can continue to be saved and continue to live out this faith. One is, Memorize this. So I'm convicted now because I wrote this down. I'm going, you guys are going to have to come up to me because I'm going to have to memorize this now. <laughs> All right. Memorize the gospel. Memorize that V. So you can tell someone. Memorize Philippians 2 5 through 10. It's like, you know, six verses. Memorize that. That will also increase that faith and build your faith into you because you've now memorized one of the key aspects of our faith of who we place our faith in. Then, once you've memorized it, in fact, maybe to help you memorize it, start asking people, people that are believers, people who are Christians, and people who are not, and say, hey, can I practice this with you? See how well I memorize it. And confess it to others. Use what you've memorized. Get the word that you got in you. Get that word out of you. And then finally, right before that Philippians passage where it talks about how Jesus is Lord, right before that passage... It says this, and, you know, we mostly think of journaling. I don't know how many of you like to journal, but a lot of times we're journaling how we feel, what we did during the day, and those type of things. I'd say, if you would journal, write down how you've demonstrated your faith to others during the week. And this is a great passage that tells us how to do it. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but to the interests of others. Have this mind among you, which is yours in Christ Jesus. There's something to do for the holiday seasons. Choose to put others before you. That is a demonstration of this gift of pistis, this gift of faith that God has given us. And so now you see a little bit more of what is that faith that saves us, that faith that's based on Jesus as Lord, that faith that because he's Lord, we now give our allegiance to him. So I'd like to ask you all to stand. And you know, most important, I think, in all this, this is the faith that saves. And I want to just invite you right now, if you have not placed that faith in Jesus who today is Lord of all, this is the day of your salvation. This is the day to put your faith in him. This is the day to have that faith change your life like a change of life of that Samaritan. Come on down and do that. And what I want to do is leave you with this benediction. Leave you with Romans 16 and listen to where it ends about this faith 
that God has given to us. It says, Now to him who is able to strengthen you according to my gospel, that gospel we just read about, that Jesus is Lord, and the preaching of Jesus Christ according to the revelation of the mystery that was kept secret for long ages, but now has now been disclosed, and through the prophetic writings have been made known to all nations according to the command of the eternal God, to bring about what? The obedience of pistis, the obedience of faith, to the only wise God be glory forever through who? The one we declare as Lord Jesus Christ and all God's people said, Amen. Amen.